God's wanting to get our attention tonight, to fix our eyes, to focus, to focus away from our problems, away from our situation. This is the generation that seeks your face. May we be that. May communitas be that. Thank you, Mike. May communitas be that generation. So we'll put this up down here someplace where you can see that. Now I want to pray for what we hear tonight, and then we'll have some ministry afterwards, specifically in the area of how extravagant God is and how he wants us to be that way. It's not a question of how rich you are or how poor you are. It's a question of how much God wants to channel through your life to bless other people. So we ask God that you'd stir faith in our hearts tonight, that communitas would be known for its extravagance, for its giving away, for its release of blessings to others, resources to others, material blessings, spiritual bounty. Thanks be to God for his extravagant gift. Amen. We're ready? Are you ready? Moments. They're ready. Continue on the seven commitments of the forerunner in those uh, in that teaching set of notes. I'm going to talk about leading diligently just about five minutes. It's important, but I'm going to spend the majority of the time about what I call power encounters in the realm of finance. Now, we know about power encounters when we pray for the sick and they get healed. It's like, wow, the Lord moved in power. But there, God means and desires to wow our heart in the realm of money, too. And He wants the right people to have money for the right reasons. And I believe that many of you, the Lord's desire is that He would entrust you with an increase of money beyond anything that you're thinking right now. Some of you will have tremendous wealth, but the Lord wants to give it to you if you will partner with Him in establishing the increase of the gospel in the earth with that wealth. Right now when you're in your 20s, that's when the cement is dry, so to speak. And the Lord wants to write these values on the cement. And He wants it to dry in the right way. Because many believers, once they get in their 30s and 40s and 50s, not all, the cement has dried. And they've already abandoned this idea of giving their money to God in a radical way. They'll give Him the surplus, but they won't give Him money in challenging ways on a regular basis. But young people teenagers in the 20-somethings, they're still fresh and ready to go. And I've watched over the years, many 20-year-olds become 30 and they lose that abandonment because the cement did not dry, so to speak, in the right way in this arena. Giving extravagantly. Giving extravagantly. The joy of what I call financial power encounters. And here's what a power encounter is. When we give money, and the Lord returns that money in the amount and the timing that makes you sure He's giving it back to you simply because you gave it first. Meaning, I would give an exact amount of money, and within a week, the exact amount would come back to me. And that never happened before. And I said, how did that happen? And the Lord would be saying, I'm giving you the amount and the timing because I want to wow your heart. And when that happened, 
That maybe happened 20 or 30 times in my first five or six years of being a believer. Where I would give money away and the Lord would give it back in a very specific way because my leaders, my Presbyterian leaders, my Campus Crusade Presbyterian leaders, they told me, start discipling people and give money to missions. I didn't know any better, so I just did what they told me. And all of us had stories of God giving us money back. I thought everybody lived that way. And when I went to different places, I found out that Presbyterian church was not so common. Other places did that. But I had some dynamic leaders that taught us these fundamental principles. Well, we give extravagantly. That implies giving beyond your tithe, which is the 10% of your income. Now, a lot of believers don't even tithe. They don't give the 10%. I want to say this kindly, but I want to say this as a shepherd. That is unthinkable to me to not tithe. Unthinkable. I don't mean because God will be mad. Because tithing, the giving the 10% of your money, which I've, by the grace of God, have done all the years. But in our early marriage, me and Diane, we decided when we first got married, we would double tithe. And we would never back away from that, ever. I would never be content with tithing. I'm not content with double tithing. I want to give much more than 20% of my income. And the reason I'm, I'm not, I'm saddened that so many believers don't buy into this, not because they're sinful and God's mad at them. No, not that. Because they're missing the exhilaration of power encounters in the realm of money. They don't have any stories. And the reason they don't have any stories, they never get out of the boat and step out on the water. They don't ever do their part, and the stories never happen. My leaders told me back then, build a history in God with your money. You start giving money faithfully and sacrificially, and God will return it, and you will build a history, meaning you and God will have a story that will build your faith all the days of your life. I remember when I first met my wife. I was 22. She's 21. I'd been a believer six years. She had been a believer about six months. And so we're engaged. I mean, she's amazing. I'm going to have her come up at the end and pray for you. And so uh, let her even uh, uh, say a few statements about this. She's a brand new believer. I remember. Here we are. We're engaged. Excited. Now, she was taught to save money. And by the way, saving money is biblical. I read a bunch of biographies of these great missionaries who gave everything away. I read maybe 10 of them by then. My heroes were all these guys and gals from history who, did, who gave everything away and went to the hardest and the darkest places of the earth. That's what I wanted to be. I would read these stories and i go, that's me. So I had no thought of saving money, though it is a biblical principle. I don't want to go off on that right now. I just want to tell some stories. She was trained to save money. Her dad, very frugal. So, six months in the Lord. I'm six years in the Lord. I'm pastoring a little church out in the country. A little hundred-member church out in the St. Louis area, out in the country. So, I meet her, and we're telling our story. She goes, just curious. She goes, well, how much money have you saved? I go, like, what do you mean? She had, 21, already had $5,000 saved from working at age 16 and 17 at a little restaurant. She goes, I'm taught to save. She goes, you know, it's real value. How much have you saved? I went, I go, 
nothing. I go, why would you save money? Again, I'm not saying the theology of this is great. I would say it different now. He goes, why wouldn't you save money? I said, well, I give it, almost all of it away, and then God gives me money back, like in miraculous ways. She goes, what? I go, I have about 30 stories, not that I've counted them, but she goes, what do you mean? Like I gave $500 away, and mysteriously God provided $1,000 back. She goes, no way. I go, you mean to tell me, a little arrogant, but I said, you have never had God give you money. She goes, you mean to tell me you've never saved money? I go, whoa, we got a ways to go here. Because both are biblical principles. So I went, hmm. Well, I have six years in the Lord. She's six months. That's cheating. I had the upper hand. I had stories. So, and she can defend herself when she comes up. But she agreed. That's the point I'm saying strong. We're going to get married next month. I said, here's what I want to do. I'm going to take the whole $5,000 and give it away to missions. All of it. I go, I want us to have stories. The stories will be awesome. She goes, okay. She said, okay. She said, here's the only deal I ask. You don't like overemphasize it to my father just yet. <laughs> so we got married the next month. Got a short engagement. So we come back from the honeymoon, we take the 5,000, we give it all away to the missions. I am so excited. She's in. She goes, I'm for it. It's new, but it's a lot of money. I mean, 21 years old, back 35 years ago, I mean, that was like a million dollars today. Exaggerated. What happens, 18 months go by, 18 months go by, nothing happens. And she's not being negative, she's going like, how does this work? I said, I don't know. The timing is always strange. I said, I've never had an 18-month delay. And she goes, you've never given $5,000 away either. Well, no. I mean, I'm more gave 50. 18 months later, a man knocks on our door. I don't go to him. He comes to me. He says, I'd like to buy your property. I go, Okay. And he gave, he gave me a number. I said, yes. Way more than what I spent for. We'd owned the house 18 months. We made 55000 profit on the house. Because he wanted it for construction, and he knew he was going to change the zoning. I didn't know any of that. 55000 Now I have to tell the bad part from walking in the house. There's what the man of God was talking about. I know, I had to repent. It was so exciting. She went, wow, 55000 We took that money, we sowed it again. The Lord returned it, and I'm not going to tell all the stories, but he has been returning money to us for our 33 years of marriage. We have astounding stories together of large amounts of money that have come our way. Huge. But it began because my leaders told me to read these books, and they told me it could happen. I didn't know what would happen. I didn't read it in the Bible. They told me that I found it in the Bible. They told me, and I said, I want this. I want this to happen in my life. 
tithing is essential. It's the beginning place. It's not a law. I'm not saying if you don't tithe, you're evil. I'm saying if you don't tithe, that's the beginning point. We began to commit to double tithe from that time forward. From the very first year of our marriage. I said, I'm not going to live with a double. I don't care how. We only made $12,000 a year. 1000 a month was our salary. I said, we're going to give 20%. We couldn't hardly make it. We had to get help to make it. That's why we were, we were waiting on that $5,000 return. And the Lord kept giving and breaking in. And I tell you, it is, a, it is remarkable. I remember I was 18 years old. I'll tell you my first one. It's the summer when I'm 18 years old. And many of you are 18, and I want you to try this. I went out. We were leading a bunch of people to the Lord. And so I decided, none of them had Bibles. So I said, I'm going to buy Bibles. So I bought 500 paperback Bibles. Been reading these books, do ex exploits for God and trust God and He'll surprise you. Okay. I ordered them. $301.24. I'll never forget. I had never had $300 in my possession that I owned to my knowledge, to that time. 300, I was like 3,000. I bought, I said yes. The day, I mean, a few months go by, the Bibles are coming, or a few weeks, I can't remember. Some time goes by, the Bibles come, they call, they say, your Bibles are in. Tomorrow, Saturday at noon, I have no money. I've already given the Bibles away. I've always told these unbelievers and these, these guys discipling people, you can have 20, you can have 50, you can have 20. We'll take it this high school, this junior high. You know, I was just excited. I gave them all away. Hadn't paid for them and had no money. One guy said, where are you going to get $300? $301.24. I, I don't know. Because I had this thing because the biographies, I wouldn't tell one person besides my main partner. I go, don't tell nobody. We want to see if God hears us. The guy calls and says, your Bibles are ready tomorrow, Saturday at noon. Saturday morning we wake up. Nothing. I am paralyzed with fear. <laughs> the strangest thing happened. Somebody handed me a check. I won't go to the details. I couldn't believe it. Handed me a check. I open it up. Mike Bickle. $301.25. One penny more than the exact amount. Nobody knew the number besides my one partner. This is a complete, bizarre, secular situation. Had my name on it. I went to my guy, my partner. He goes, what are we going to do? We have to go down in an hour. I go, look. $301.24. I got a check for $301.25. We made a penny. Let's do it. Let's do it. But here was the exciting. I mean, the pressure was intense. I, I mean, that seemed like a huge amount, you know, 35 years ago. But the exciting thing, I go, wait, 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 wait. You, Genesis 1 God, you actually know me. You know I bought those Bibles. I mean, I know you're supposed to know. You really do know. It's way different when you're supposed to know, and you really do. I was so excited. I mean, I drove there kind of surreal. Pick it up, give the money. I'm in a, like a, a bubble, kind of. For three days, I'm going, he actually knows me. I know that I'm supposed to believe that, 
but I think he really does. That's terrifying in a good way. Oh my gosh. I look up at the sky and I go, do you like really know what I'm doing? I mean, really, really, really? I was so excited. So now, six months goes. That story puts so much energy in me. I am man of God. Well, boy of God. I'm boy of God of going for it. So I, someone said they had a ski trip. So I had my little 10 junior high kids coming. I think we had 30 because it was my senior year. 30 junior high kids coming. So I heard from some other guy from some other school, have a junior high ski retreat. I've never been skiing. I've never had a retreat. I said, I'll try it. We're going to have a ski retreat. I never knew how to do one, but I figured I figured that can't be that hard. So I announced it. These two brand new believers from poor families. These two girls, 14. Poor families. Can we go? Well, it's $250 a piece. And again, 35 years ago, it's a lot of money. More than it is today. And they said, oh, we could never get $250. Never. Our families, you know, on welfare type thing. They said, not, not a chance. I had that burst from the six months earlier, that $301 thing. I go, I'll pay for it. <laughs> My guy, you know, junior high leader, and where are you going to get that money? I go, we'll figure it out. <laughs> I'll pay for it, girls. Have no fear. The man of God's here. <laughs> it's the day of the ski retreat. We're driving out in a van, six, seven, eight of us. No money. None. Zero out of 500. Zero for 500. Wake up. My guy says, uh, anything from heaven yet? I go, no, not yet. But, you know, we still, we don't leave till tonight. First time this ever happens. In the mail. Again, nobody knows the story. The two girls I said it to, I said, don't tell anybody. I really don't want you to tell anybody. Because our big thing was not telling anybody. Never happened in my life before this. I'm 18 years old still. Get a check in the mail. Mike Bickle. In, uh, random. God told me to give you $250. God told you? I didn't know God told people stuff. I go, about me? $250. I mean, to get a check in the mail, ran, this blew my mind. This was like the $300. It was a different situation, but... I was so excited. I go, oh man, halfway there. Halfway there. We're packing up. Seven o'clock at night. They're at my house. We leave at nine. Something like that. All the six or eight or ten kids, whatever, six or eight of them are there. We're getting in the van. I'm $250 short. I don't know what to do because if we get there and don't have it, it's going to be embarrassing. I figure I'll do dishes. I don't know what I'll, I'll do. Something. I'll figure out something. I'll sell the van. It wasn't my van anyway. I'll give it to the guy. <laughs> I didn't, not really, but I didn't know what I was going to do. I'm very nervous, very nervous. That exciting check in the morning was good, but it's kind of worn off a little bit. It's nine hours later, whatever, and a man comes over to my house, an elderly man, family friend. Hey, how you doing? Come over to visit my mom. How you doing? Guy about 70 or something, or 80 years old. He goes, looks like you're going to have a lot of fun. Where are you going? I said, Colorado ski trip. He goes, good, have a great time. An unbeliever. Yeah, then they're drinking coffee and comes out a few minutes later and says, hey, young man, here. 
He gave me $250. We leave in 10 minutes. I'm in the car. I am so excited. Yes, that I'm not going to be embarrassed. That's true. But more than that, he knows me. I go, God, you, this is like real this time. I know that $301 is real. This is double real. How did you know I needed $500? I know you did Genesis 1 and all that stuff. You're real smart. But how did you do this? I'm in the car. I'm driving for an hour. You know, we're going 10 or 12 hours to Colorado somewhere. I can't hardly talk for an hour, meaning I'm lost in just a conversation with not a really deep one, just... How did you know? I can't even talk to the girls and these little junior high girls crack jokes and stuff, you know. You know me. You know me. You know me. Oh, this is so cool if it's true. You really know me. And the answer was, yeah, but you stepped out of the boat. and You believed me. Now, I'm not into people randomly trying risky things. I mean, I didn't know that I was led by the Lord. I was 18 years old. I didn't really, nobody in my world said God told me. We didn't have a God told me kind of ministry. Nobody used that word. You know, when I met the Charismatics years later, and they went, God told me, I go, whatever. We were just into, gee, it would be neat if I did. That's kind of how we went forward. So I believe you need some kind of inspiration. So I don't really remember. I'm just assuming I felt inspired. I don't know how it worked, but I know it worked. My point being, I don't want people to be reckless. I don't, I'm not trying to empower people to be reckless. Go ahead. Anyway, I didn't have any stories of God's faithfulness in my life because I was a new believer. I didn't know that, that God was that intimate and that personal and that involved in our lives. All I knew was that a responsible person saved their money because my dad drilled that into me. And save, so, save, save. He didn't read biographies. No. And um, so I wanted to be responsible. And when Mike shared the philosophy of giving and that God would, you know, see it and, and, and come back and respond to you, I, it was a new concept to me. So I was willing to try it out, and I made him swear to me that he would not tell my dad. That was the key. Like, okay, let's do this. Do not tell my dad. I go, how about when we get the answer? And so that began my journey of, of an adventure, a true adventure that was so exciting to me. You know, and again, I was sheepish at first. I was kind of just timidly like, you know, okay, let's, let's do it. Let's try that. Okay, let's try but that. But 5,000 is not that sheepish no, no. for your first time. And then the double tithing we committed to the next month after we got married. And you said, let's yes. go for it. She goes, let's do it. And then, it. And then it kind of escalated. Like then I understood, okay, so God is my provider financially. He's, he's proving himself to me again and again and again. Then I realized, oh my gosh, this applies to my stuff too. Not just to my money. It applies to my stuff. You know, my stuff that I'm protective over. My new pots and pans that I got, you know, as a newly new bride. And, 
And my new couches that disappeared out of our living room when one of our tenants moved out. I, ha- I picked up a guy on the street, led him to the Lord. He stayed in our house. He took the couch with him one day when we went to church. And what, what, how was I supposed to know he would take the couch? So I, I got to learn another lesson. That, that this concept of giving and giving from a cheerful heart, it applies to my stuff. Not just my money. It applies to every earthly possession that I have. And I I have to say that 33 years later, I don't miss any pots and pans or couches or cars. We've had cars get taken and given to us. We've had property taken and given to us. Furniture taken and given to us. It has been such a joyful journey and one that I've so enjoyed even watching my sons grow up and come into this understanding themselves. They're both givers. They both have a heart for the poor and the underprivileged. I want to say to you parents that anytime you have an opportunity to put your children in, in front of a poor class of people, I mean, send them on those short-term mission trips when they're in junior high and high school. Let them see how someone who's not American lives their lives and let the Lord pull upon their hearts. And this uh, verse that Mike had in the notes with 2 Corinthians 8 about living for the, with equality in our minds that our abundance would make up for their lack and their, lack would, uh, w- their abundance would feed into our lack. I had the opportunity to go to Haiti in February after the earthquake. I stood in front of a sea of about 5,000 Haitians in a worship service. They were standing in a, in a dirt gully because their church had been flattened by the earthquake. They'd lost 25 of their Bible students. They lost their lives in the Bible school. And I'm, I'm looking at this sea of people. They are worshiping the Lord with all their might. With, I, I'm close enough to them. I can see big tears rolling down some of their faces. The pastor stands next to me, and he starts telling me the story of some of these people in front of me. He's saying, you see that lady in the purple dress? She lost her husband, her house, and her oldest son. You see that guy over there in the red shirt? He lost 21 people in his family. He's been on a seven-day drunk. We're just glad to see him here this morning. You see that person over there? He, He did this three or four times, and I said, I was weeping. I said, you have to stop. You have to stop. I I can't even take this in. And I stood there in front of that sea of people that were worshiping the Lord with their whole heart, most of whom had lost all of their earthly possessions. And trust me, their earthly possessions would be about that high by comparison to ours. They'd lost it all and their loved ones. And they were telling Jesus by their worship, I love you. I trust you. I give you my life. And I said to him, Lord, that, that I could stand in my hour of shaking, half as strong in my faith as these people are standing before me. And it, it just so moved my heart. I, just, I, like, I wanted to empty out my bank account, but I had to get a hold of Mike first because he wasn't with me. Before I did that, I highly encourage you, husband and wives, to get on the same page when it comes to giving because that's really important that you do. There's, it's not that you give to every need, because there are many, many needs out there, but the Lord does direct your heart 
and he does lead you in, in the, the correct way of giving and the who and the when and the how much, he is delighted to reveal that to your hearts and, and to help us as husband and wives to get in sync and to get on the same page in that. Real quick questions. Okay, you give the 5,000. When the 55,000 comes 18 months later, how do you feel? I am, I'm, I'm walking around like this. I am so amazed. My jaw is just hanging open and I'm like, wow, this God is so real and so personal and he's so generous, like so amazingly generous. That's who God, that's who God is. He is so generous. Uh, who gives us. a thousand percent interest? Nobody. I mean, <clears throat> there's some no banks, investment. There is no investment that you can make in this lifetime that gives that some kind banks of give five or ten percent interest. Maybe somebody gives fifteen. Who gives a thousand percent interest? You're so rich. All right, everyone, what did you, what did you guys think? <laughs> did you like it? Well, we're, we're going to have a, a couple people come up here and kind of share some testimonies of, you know, their own stories of God and his faithfulness. So here is Stefan. Okay, yeah. Oh, it's so good. Um, all right, and I mean, I just will be the first to say I am not perfect in this, and I was so humbled and so challenged and so touched um, by the concept of extravagant giving. But I do have a testimony. Um, how many people in this room feel a call uh, to missions? If you want to just raise your hand. Okay. A lot. <laughs> um, and I, when I um, graduated from college, I definitely had a heart for missions. And right upon graduating... Uh, the Lord started to speak to me about kind of what Mike Bickle was talking about, about consistent giving with my money above and beyond my tithe. And so for a long period of time, I started to cut out a percentage of uh, my income and give it directly to missions. And then I also made a commitment um, for that entire year that if anyone, any one of my students, anyone asked me for money for a missions trip, I would say yes. And so um, I did that, and there's a verse that I want to share. And it's in Proverbs. You don't have to look there. I'll just read it to you. But Proverbs 9 and 10, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Okay, so keep that in mind. At the end of um, this year of teaching, uh, the Lord led me to join YWAM. Okay, and so it was a year-long DTS, and how YWAM structured, I know a lot of you have experience with YWAM, but for those of you who don't, um, it's a, a DTS, down, or stands for Discipleship Training School, and so I left um, to go to Scotland and be a part of this Discipleship Training School, and at the end of your training school, you're sent on um, anywhere from three months 
to a month to two months time of outreach where you're specifically implementing the things that you learned in regards to the kingdom of God and missions. And so I had raised all of my support and had all the money I needed for the DTS portion of um, my YWAM experience. But when it came to, uh, and now keep in mind this whole year, I'm not working. Um, you know, it's all, it's all volunteer based and you raise your support. When it came time to, for the outreach, we were going to go to Spain and I was broke. I, I didn't have, um, the money for the plane ticket. I think it was something like 800 pounds for the expense of the plane ticket and, um, just your time there and food and travel costs and all of that. And, um, when I hit that wall, I thought of the entire year before and how I have been prompted to give to missions. And I, there was something that just built in me, um, of faith to say, okay, God, you know, I stand firm on your word and I stand firm on your promises. And the only people who knew that I was, uh, without money for outreach were the leadership. And, uh, but other than that, I, I didn't tell anyone. I didn't, you know, make frantic calls back home or anything like that. I just, I just kind of stood on the promises of God. And I said, you know, Lord, I know you want me to go on this outreach. You've brought me this far and I know you're going to take me the rest of the way. And I felt, you know, just in, in the quiet place in my heart, the Lord says, Stephanie, you are about to receive all that you've sown. And um, you really do reap what you sow. And within three days of that, that short little prayer, um, the Lord provided to the cent exactly what I needed for outreach. Um, money came in from home. Money came in from churches and communities within Scotland. And, and it, it, was just, it was just amazing. But again, like God is faithful. Um, okay, Marilyn has a little bit more she's going to share. She's also part of the finance team. So I just pray that it just wouldn't be a message that we hear, but it's something we take into action as a body of believers and just as young people and just something that's really on my heart as I think sometimes we, you know, in those early 20s, late 20s, we get in that mindset that I don't have a lot of money. I'm that poor college student. Um, but in Luke 16, 10, if you guys want to turn there, um, I'll just read it real quick. It says, he who is faithful in what he is least is faithful is also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least, he is unjust also in much. And just that concept of, are we being faithful with what we have? And that God will continue to increase that as we give. And just even to ask ourselves, what are the testimonies that we have or how are we going to step out in faith? And there's also another verse that kind of just to cast the vision. Um, I know last week Clint talked about just different works or ministries of calling people as full-time evangelists. Um, Clint's full-time missionary, David, Carrie, how can we as communitas support our brothers and sisters radically um, to give in this area of our lives? And just even as Mike talked about, just doing it now doing it now so we can cast that vision not only to our brothers, but our treasure in heaven. And so just to cast that vision, um, if you want to turn to Exodus 36, 3. Yep, 36, 3. And it says, And they received from Moses all the offerings what the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of making the sanctuary. So they continued bringing to him free will offerings every morning. 
Then all the craftsmen who were doing all the work of the sanctuary came, each from the work he was doing. And they spoke to Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. So Moses gave a commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. And the people were restrained from bringing. What if that was us? What if that was us, the fact that we overflowed our blessing and finances to support the people that are doing mission work. You know, some of us are called in the business field, different things. What if we came with what we had and we had so much that we wouldn't know where to give it to? Can, can I get an amen? How awesome would that be? And so I just want to encourage you that this word just wouldn't leave, that it would go deep and remain planted within our heart that we would ask and seek the Lord where he wants to give it, whether it's communitas or wherever, that we would be giving that 10%, but even that extra. Um, living lives that are sacrificial, not just the comfortable. Um, yeah, so that's just... <laughs> Praise the Lord. This is our finance team. This is Marilyn, and then we have Steph, and then Dave. Dave, this is our finance team. They oversee communitas' finances. So this is them. Praise the Lord. And Marilyn, that was a really, that was an awesome word. I want to have you pray for us as we receive this. And then we're going to do small group stuff. So go for it. Um, Just to kind of give you a cap of where the money for Communitas goes, slowly it goes for food and for missions. And to date, we've gave about 6000 away to missions. So awesome, but I, since January this year, but I believe the Lord has so much more, and specifically for this young group to just pour out and to reach to be the change that we seek within the body of believers. So, yeah. yeah. So, Lord, we just thank you for the 